0: Hey, how's everyone doing this morning? Doing good? Loving Jesus? Awesome, praise God. I was thought I'd come up here and you know, I was debating and speak with a French accent at first, but I thought maybe not. Because I'll probably butcher that, even though I am French. But uh, <laughs> my name is, uh, my last name is Laframboise. That's the proper pronunciation of it. Uh, no, I can leave it up there. I'll back and forth it a little bit. I'll probably just get in my way trip triple over it. So my last name is Laframboise, and the reason why I go by John Raz is my last name obviously is hard to pronounce, but it literally means the raspberry in French. So I just gotta go with John Raz. You know, I had a uh, and I made it official when I had a friend of mine introduce me one time, on to speak for him, and he introduces me as John Bobo. and I thought that's not gonna happen. You know, and then the second, day, you know, the next day, you know, he introduces me again and, you know, and, uh, and he says, John Laflaming Bras. And I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> I am not going on behind that pulpit, you know, at all. Like, I'm not speaking. I'm sorry. Like, that, you know, that, that name will haunt me forever now. And, also, uh, you know, so John Laframboise, you know, John Raz. And I have a, a ministry called Harvest Culture. You know, I used to be called Winds of Healing. You know, when I was first here, it was called Winds of Healing. You know, but we switched it over to Harvest Culture because I never liked that name in the first place um long story behind it and uh <laughs> and then uh, so the reason we changed it apart from me not liking the name a few years ago uh the lord spoke to me and he says john i'm this a season in the body of christ where i'm going to harvest harvesters right so i thought all right that's good and he's speaking, to speak to me about creating a culture of evangelism a culture of harvest so i thought man that's a really good word i'm gonna i'm gonna just take that and rename a ministry with it so i got a, a couple quick anointments for you guys you know, and if you don't know what anointment is, it's an anointed announcement, you know. <laughs> and I just got a couple products back here. I just want to advertise real quick. Uh, one here I have is called A Victorious Life, you know. And uh, how many of you saying you need a little bit more victory in life, learn how to walk in victory? You know, one thing the Lord taught me years ago, he says, John, I never want to hear you pray for victory ever again. And I thought, uh, my first thought was, then will I rebuke you, <laughs> right? And then I realized with the Lord speaking to me, he says, from now on, you are going to pray from victory. I thought, oh, that's really good, you know, so we got uh, we had four CDs in this one here, we have the, the truth about the wilderness, you know, the overcoming temptation, developing purpose, and the spirit of the overcomer, you know, and I just wanted to highlight just the truth about the wilderness, you know, how many of you know that when God brought Israel into the wilderness, it wasn't to kill them, it really wasn't, you know, Moses, or actually, Moses through Aaron, you know, actually said these words, but Moses was, you know, the, the voice behind it, you know, he says, tells Pharaoh, he says, let my people go that they may what, worship me in the wilderness. See, does the season of transition supposed to be a season of encountering God, not a place of dying and death. Right? And you look at, uh, you know, uh, in Psalms 23, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So many of us are walking through. We say, hey, here's a nice piece of land. I'm going to stop and make camp. Come on now. Look, there's a bush, God. There's, there's, what, there's a bush in the Bible one time, so I'll stop by this bush. Right? And we just decided to camp in the valley of the shadow of death instead of walking through it. Right? So, you know, so just teaching about that, you know, and, and Israel, you know, just, just a little quick side note. You know, Israel was tremendously blessed leaving Egypt. It says that they plundered the Egyptians, took all their silver, all their gold, and all their fine linens. They became millionaires in 2.5 seconds. <laughs> Went from slaves to millionaires in 2.5 seconds. That's a good breakthrough. So said they had a financial revival leaving Egypt. And not only that, but they had a healing revival as well. Do you know that? It says in Psalms 103, I believe it is. It says that not a single one was feeble amongst them when he left Egypt. So God healed every single last one of them. Isn't that good? You have a healing revival. You have a financial breakthrough. And then you're, you know, you're off to go encounter your God. And what did they say? God, you brought us out here to kill us. they just instantly forgot what God told them uh, told them they're supposed to be doing right so don't forget what God tells you to do and and the one key interesting thing about you know uh, every time you read in the Bible someone going into some sort of wilderness experience they have a massive encounter with God first to sustain them through what seems like a hard time anyways that's I'm just preaching my whole message here now (laughs) who who say you need some victory in your life you need to learn here you go take that right there watch out for your eyeball you know, and we got another one here. I'm really, uh, really, uh, I really love this, actually, because it's really my heart. You know, uh, we developed a school called Street Prophets, you know, and, and what it is, this one here, I, I, you know, it's, there's 12 lessons, you know, it's all about prophetic power evangelism, you know, we teach you how to move in a spirit of boldness. You know, it says that in Proverbs 21, it says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Oh, isn't that good? Amen. You know, do you know that I say this, and I say it quite carefully, you know, that the uh, you know, uh, introvertism in a kingdom does not exist. Now, if you're an introvert, I'm not picking on you in any way, shape, or form. But over and over again in Psalms, it says, lift up a what? Shout to the Lord. Hey, come on now. <laughs> it says, lift up a shout to the Lord. Right? And it says, and according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are, the bold, we are the righteousness of God, aren't we? So if the righteous are as bold as a lion, and we have the utmost amount of righteousness in our lives right now. Did you know that? You can't get more righteous than you are right now. Come on now. Someone give an amen on that one. You can't get any more righteous than you are right now. You're the holiest person you'll ever be right now. Isn't that good? But I screamed to my wife this morning. Jesus already forgave you. So you have to ask for forgiveness, of course. But God's already provided for your sins. Right? He says, as soon as you ask God to forgive us, he says, what sin? I removed your sin as far as east and from the west. He says he forgets about them. So why are we going back to them? Anyway, that's the whole message in itself right there. I'm just getting so excited, you know. And uh, so this whole thing is, uh, we'll teach you how to boldness, how to prophesy to people, how to give words of knowledge, how to pray for the sick in unreligious ways. You know, that's always good, right? You know, if you you walk to someone on the streets and say, hey, brother, you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You're killing sheep in the backyard. (laughs) Right, so we, kinda, we teach you how to cut all that stuff out, you know, make it relatable, and we got a bunch of those uh, uh, back there. And we have, uh, uh, we have them on CDs, and you know, I teach right out of the manual, it comes with the manual. But we also have a, a USB flash drive that has a PDF of the manual and MP3s of the lessons. And if you think I'm reciting numbers and letters out of the alphabet, it's probably not for you. But if, you actually, but if that made sense to you, then you might want to consider picking up one of those instead. Uh, uh, you know, and we also have these shirts on our website. You know, I didn't bring any here with me, but some of you might have heard. You know, this Shaka Pow. You know, we have these shirts that say Shaka Pow on them, and uh, people always ask you, "What the heck is Shaka Pow?" And I say, "I don't know, really." You know, one day I was praying, and God gave me this revelation, and Shaka Pow came out. and I had this, he gave this awesome revelation from the Word, and I was like, "Man, Shaka Pow, that's good!" And then I'm like, "Wait a second, that's good too!" You know, so we kind of stuck with it. And then uh, one day, uh, about a couple of years ago, a friend of mine said, John, you should put Shaka Pow on a T-shirt. I said, I'll design it for you. So I'm like, no, that's just silly, all right? Here I am, me saying it's silly. Right? You know, and then the Lord says, yeah, John, why don't you put it on a T-shirt? He said, I was like, all right, if God tells me to put it on T-shirts, T-shirt, I'll put it on a T-shirt. You know, so we it on outreach all the time. And you know, one has that says hashtag Shaka Pow, and the other one has just like Shaka, then the Pow, like the old Batman Pow. And, uh, you know, we were on the streets all the time, and people walk out to me and say, hey, what does shaka pow mean? i say, listen, I can't explain it to you, but I can show you. <laughs> and then we pray for them, right? And then you get them getting healed or whatever, right? And then I'm like, listen, you've just been shaka powed. <laughs> oh, okay. And it makes sense to them somehow, right? So I'm like, praise God, man. If God, you can sort it out for me, that's excellent. You know, just before, uh, I was living in Florida for the last few years, you know, and uh, this past uh, March, I moved back to Canada from Florida, guys. That's some serious commitment. And God has me in Red Deer, Alberta. <laughs> last week, it was minus 25, plus an actual I did an extra 10 to that with the windshield. It was minus 35. I went from decorating my palm tree this time last year, literally, I literally decorated my Christmas palm tree, and then all of a sudden, I'm just like having a hard time starting my car because of the cold. And I'll say, no, it's Jesus, because I sure didn't want to come back. <laughs> you know, so in the, I was in the grocery store, and, and I'm wearing this, my, uh, my Shaka Pow shirt. And uh, I got to be honest with you, and you know, I was tired. I just came back from this long ministry trip. I was on the road for two or three weeks, you know, and I just flew in, went home, put my sweatpants on, and my Shaka Pow shirt, right? It's my lounging clothes. And I go to the grocery store, and I'm like, I'm just going to buy uh, those rotisserie chickens and a bag of chips. You know, and a Coke, and then we're good to go, right? We're just going to have fun, me and Jesus, in front of Netflix. <laughs> you know? Fellowship with Jesus over Netflix. And uh, and I walk into a grocery store, and this kid sees me, bagger boy, maybe 16, 17 years old, and he goes, oh, shaka-pow, right? And I thought, well, shaka-pow, indeed. <laughs> right? I, I just thought he had been to my meet my local meetings before, and so he knew who I was, you know? Well, the last thing I knew, you know, he wasn't a Christian even, right? He had no idea who I was, and... When I said shaka pow indeed back to him, he goes, "Huh? Oh, what the heck was that? And I'm looking at him, are you crazy kid? Like what's going on, right? I'm just being real carnal, just, I want my chicken, my chips, my Coke and Netflix. That's what I'm thinking, man. And, and the Lord, despite me, decides to touch this kid. And, uh, and I go, well, oh, what do you mean? And that was a really horrible time to take a picture. You need to time that sucker better, okay? You know, Yeah. I'm just happy you are taking so many so you can pick from them. That one's got to be deleted. It's not going on Facebook. I will, I will haunt you. No. <laughs> Sorry. Just scratch that from the tape, please. And uh, <laughs> So okay, it's okay to have fun in church. You know that, right? Okay, praise God. And uh, you know, So this kid goes, what the heck was that? And then I realize, you know, maybe the Holy Ghost did something. right? So I go, well, what do you mean? And he goes, I see you he said shaka pow, I felt like something just Bleh, inside of me. That's how he describes it. (laughs) So I said, well, that's just the holy ghost. He goes, the holy who? (laughs) So I pray for him, right? And he just, he's laid out in the grocery store. (laughs) Right, right. As soon as you walk in there, you know. The manager sees me playing for this kid, right? And he's on the ground now. And he comes by, he thinks I knocked him out. And also, he's like, you can't do that here. I'm like, hey, don't blame me. Blame Jesus. (laughs) Right? And and then he's like, huh, what? He's just all confused. He's like, "You, you need to leave. I was like, listen, I'm picking up my chicken. Some chips and a Coke and I'll leave right afterwards. He's like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh," you know, so I'm just going off my business, getting my stuff. And, you know, this kid later on found out what he got saved. You know, so it was really good. So I love the way God moves in just the unusual methods, doesn't it? You know, I call that Jehovah sneaky. You know, sometimes he just does stuff without telling you. You know, it's so fun. You know, and, and it's such an amazing thing serving the supernatural God, you know, that we just need to be, I begin to expect the unexpected everywhere we go. There is no reason whatsoever why the manifest presence of God should not follow us everywhere we are. Isn't that good? You know, I'll give you an example of this. I was, I was just preaching in Ontario about two or three weeks ago. You know, and, uh, and I was uh, t- getting into the airport in Toronto, and uh, as I got by car, by ride, pulled up to the airport, my flight was boarding, so my thought is, run through security as fast as you possibly can, right, and get on this plane i didn 't have a checked bag, just a carry on, so I thought, praise God, I could just m- just run through and elbow some old lady and run <laughs> past her. you know just i didn 't do it. <laughs> just kidding, right? I do have a little bit more compassion than that. And, uh, and, uh, and I had my ticket out, and I'm running to the first checkpoint, right, where you have the, someone scan your ticket, you know, and, uh, you know, you don't know, actually like, just make sure you're supposed to be at the airport, you know, whatever. And, you know, so I'm running up to it with my hand out, extended, you know, wanting to give her this, my, my boarding pass, and I'm just hoping I could do the whole Olympic baton toss, right, like, here, take my ticket, I'll pick it back up over here, right, because I'm just rushing through, and, and, uh, and I just say, hey, how are you? And I'm thinking, why am I asking her a question? I don't want to know the answer. I don't have time for this, right? And just, once again, just being really selfish, want to get on my plane, go home. And uh, as and I, I was like, you know, she says, "I'm good, but I have a horrible migraine." And I thought, "Well, be healed in Jesus' name." I say that as I'm running away, right? And then she goes, this honest to God reaction. This is her reaction." She goes, "Oh, it's gone! Thank you, Jesus!" And she starts screaming in the airport. I'm thinking, "Quick, run!" Right. And I'm like, run, right? Because I don't want security getting arrested for, I don't know, it's, you know, who knows what, what could happen in airports nowadays, you know, so I'm, I'm running through security, I'm taking my shoes off, taking my laptop out, taking my jacket off, and, you know, that whole procedure, and, um, <laughs> and as I'm going through security, you know, she's still, still screaming, I'm healed, I'm healed, Jesus healed me, and people are looking at me like, do you do that? And, and often, I, you know, I just start praying in tongues really loud. Right? I'm like, what am I doing? This is the worst thing I could be doing right now. Right? Like, I'm thinking in a natural, of course, right? And then all of a sudden, someone comes up, to me and he sa- they say, hey, can you pray for me to get healed? And I was like, be healed in Jesus' name. I just pop them on the head, and they fall over too. And I'm thinking, God, stop doing this. At- I'm in the airport. A grocery store is one thing. The airport's a whole other ball game. And then all of a sudden, this young security guy, you know, he's about to walk out from behind a conveyor belt, I'm assuming to arrest me or something, Right, thank God there's an older gentleman there, grabs him by the hand, he says, by the arm, and he says, It's okay. And he looks at me and he winks. I thought, Praise God, that guy's probably a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) You know, he's that or he's an angel or something. You know, and uh, you know, so just just have this little quick little mini revival in the airport. You see, when you carry Jesus, which we all do, you know, if we just dare to believe God out of his word and step outside of our comfort zone and dare to believe and just do something outside of the norm, you'll see something outside of the norm happen. Oh, come on, so good. Now, if you have your Bibles with me, you have your Bibles, I want to turn to Revelation chapter 3. The one thing I love about God, he already knows everything that's going to happen. You know, God never once went through history and said, oops, I never saw that one coming. That's so good. Now, God knows it all, you know, and especially now we have all these terrorist things happening all over the world. You know, God never said, oops, I never saw that one coming. You know, we have, you know, in Alberta, there's little pockets of people all afraid of terrorism in Canada. I said, well, just pray and it'll be okay. You know, God will protect you. Uh, Colossians, uh, no, not Colossians, So, Revelations chapter 3, and uh, let's look at verse uh, 15. Actually, this verse 14, actually. Colossians, Revelations three fourteen. Now, before I read this, you know, some of you are thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's about to rebuke us." Because you know what I'm about to read. I'm not here to rebuke you. Don't worry. It says, uh, Colossians three fifteen uh, fourteen. It says, "And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things: Say to the uh, amen of the faithful, the true witness, the beginning and the creation of God. I know your works; that you are neither hot, but I wish, nor hot or cold, but I wish, or sorry, you are neither hot nor you're cold. Nor my goodness, Baba. You are neither hot, cold nor hot. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither hot, cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I used to always think to be hot or cold was for God or against God. That's what I always thought. That's how you always interpret it. But it just kind of seemed, why would God want us to be against them? It didn't make sense to me. Right? I understand the hot part. Right? That's that just... I can't understand hot, but I don't understand the, the cold. So I started looking it up, kind of doing a little bit of research on that, and, and this is what I figured out. I, I found out that in the city of Laodicea, there's two main water sources. One of them was from a mountain spring that was cold, and, had, and the aqueducts would bring the water from the mountain into the city, and the other one was from a hot spring. Now, they had the same system that would bring the water from the hot spring into the city. But by the time it got to the city, the hot water would turn lukewarm. And the cold water would warm up and turn lukewarm as well. right? One would cool down, one would heat up. So what Jesus is actually telling the church, he's saying, be true to your source. He's not saying before me or against me or whatever under interpretation, some weird stuff. Sometimes we don't understand scripture, so we make up things. <laughs> I think this is what it means. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll preach. Nobody's. <laughs> <But> said... <he's laughs> But he's saying, you No, know, be it neither hot nor cold no no sorry, he's saying be hot or cold, so he's saying be true to your source. I love that. So I'll keep on reading downwards. Right? And then he goes off, he says, because you say I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and have, beca- uh, have need of nothing, and I know that you're, re- you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and, and with white garments, that you may be clothed, that the, the shame of the nakedness and not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with ice salve, that you may see. I love that as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, I love this part right here. It says, therefore, be zealous and repent. I love that. As as he's telling the church, he says, oh, hey, it's right up there. That's awesome. Praise God. Look at harvestculture.com. That's awesome. By the way, I'm like Jesus on Facebook. If you add me as a friend, I'll accept you. <laughs> you, find, you just find me under, uh, actually, uh, YouTube, actually, you look up Harvest Culture. We've got a new YouTube channel. And uh, we actually got a, t- a web show right about to launch here. We're just raising funds for some final equipment. And we're actually going to start filming stuff on the streets, So the stuff we're talking about. We're going to start filming it on the streets. But not just the good stuff, but actually the good, the bad, and the ugly. So what to do when you, pro- when you try to prophesy to someone and they totally reject you? How do you recover from that? So we're going to have either myself or some of my team members just flat out bomb it. We've got some stuff telling you it is embarrassing. And we're putting it on the web just for your own benefit, so you could learn from it, right? So, I got, so if you want more details about that, you can talk to me afterwards and I'll share some there. Um, you know, but, but it, says, uh, it says, I counsel to buy gold refined in the fire. So the first question I have is, what's my currency? How can I purchase? What do I need to give you in order so that I can receive this gold refined in the fire? And the second thing is, what am I purchasing? It's good to know okay, in scripture, it says to buy gold refined in fire, but what is it? What does it mean to purchase gold, refined, in fire? And uh, i began be able to ask the Lord about this. He says, your currency is your will. He says, your currency is your will. So in other words, you give me your will, and I will give you gold, refined, in the fire. So obviously, I'll be able to ask the Lord. I said, God, what the heck is this gold, refined, in the fire? And he told me to go to Colossians chapter 2. And it's good to ask the Lord questions. You know that? He loves to answer them says the Holy Spirit will teach us and guide us into all truth in John 16. Thank you, Lord. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, so let's, let's look at yeah, chapter 2. And on Paul's writing Colossians, but he's also writing to the Laodicean church what we just read about in Revelation 3. It says, For I want you to know that a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, it says, For as many have not seen me face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attending all, uh, attaining to all riches, right? So remember, he's telling them, by gold, refined, and fire. Right? Now he's saying that we may attain to all riches, to the fullest assurance and understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. So he's saying that the riches are, is the mystery of God. So that doesn't really help us too much now, does it? We still don't know what this gold refining fire is. So if you go back to Colossians chapter 1, and in verse 27, it says to them God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, it's not good. So what Jesus is saying in Revelation 3, he says, give me your will, be true to your source, give me your will, and in return, you receive glory. You receive Christ in you, the hope of glory, being true to the source of glory that's inside of us. Oh, isn't that good? Now, as I began to look up, I began to just to, to digest this whole scripture, this whole thing, and just really kind of digging into it, and I began to look up the word hope. What does hope mean? a good question, isn't it? What's the true definition of hope? The best definition I found is this. It's the joyous expectation of what God is going to do. Oh, that's good. The joyous expectation of what God's going to do. Because hope sees like it such an integral part of Christianity, doesn't it? You know, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So without hope, there's no faith. And without faith, we can't please God according to Hebrews 11.6, right? So we need to have that joyous expectation of what God is going to do. And I truly believe the way we do that is we stay true to the source that we have inside of us because that hope comes from Jesus and he is the hope of glory. You know, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the joyous expectation of the manifestation of the glory of God everywhere we go. Oh, that's so good right there. And where we go, we need to have the expectation of glory being manifested. You know, we talk to people all the time around the world. The same question I hear over and over and over again John, what if I pray for someone and nothing happens? Want to know my response? I tell them it's very wise. I say, Who cares? <laughs> it's true. Pastors and children alike, I say, What happens if I pray for someone and nothing happens? Who cares? Well, what if I do more damage than good? How can you do damage praying for someone? <laughs> it's kind of an awkward statement to make, right? What if I pray for someone I do more damage than good? Well, unless you're really praying a backwards prayer, <laughs> no damage is going to come to it, right? See, our job is to do the loving and the believing. It's God's job to do the healing. Come on now. Because God gave us the power. He gave us the commandment to go. He said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, it says, Therefore, go say, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Oh, I love that. Now, that word at hand literally means arms reach away. So Jesus is literally telling his disciples that you have the entire kingdom at your disposal. Oh, that's good. Come on now. Remember Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, silver and gold I don't have, but I do have a gift to you in the name of Jesus. I used to pray for people that way. I thought that's how you prayed for the sick. I, I was in the mall, and I was this little old granny in this wheelchair. And you know, I was in my early, late teens. <laughs> I was going to say early 20s, actually was my late teens. And I'll run up to this lady, and I say, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but I do have a gift to you in the name of Jesus. Just like that, right? She probably thought I was going to steal from her. No. He has no money, so he wants mine. <laughs> that's what she's probably thinking. <laughs> so be willing, that's not the way to pray for the sick. <laughs> oh, Jesus, In other words, it's just fine. So the joyous expectation of what God is going to do, hope. All right, so we need to be true to that source, true to that hope, that, that source of hope and glory. I love this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11. You can throw that up there if you want. But the last part of the verse, you know, it talks about, it says, they're, they're, they're longing to look into the mysteries of the gospel and the glories that would follow. Oh, I love that. See, There's, there's a thought. Fo- oh, there it is. Look at that. See, the last part says, you know, he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. That's not good. See, in order for something to follow, there needs to be a going first, isn't there? How many of you say you want glory to follow you? I want glory to follow me. You know, in Psalms it says that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You know, so I name my luggage surely goodness and mercy. (laughs) Just a little... Never have I lost luggage since, praise God. He followed me everywhere I go. You know, when you travel as much as I do, trust me, it's, a, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's a horrible thing when you end up in a third world nation, you have no clothes, and by the time you leave, it shows up. Right, you're at the airport, and there it is. You're like, oh, praise God. <laughs> it's already waiting for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the problem is some of us, we have what the Bible calls hope deferred. You know, it says in Proverbs 13, I believe it is, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? So the word deferred literally means to drag behind you. That's a horrible thing. The hope is something that should be projecting you and pulling you forward into your destiny. But instead of it, it's just sitting there just dragging behind you like a dead weight, just like literally dragging an anchor behind you. That's literally what describes uh, uh, described that, is dragging an anchor on the beach behind you, right? So we need to have that, that hope renewed, I believe that that's what, what God wants to do this morning. He wants to renew your hope. He wants to bring that fresh, not just bring, renew your hope, but bring in a fresh joy. Because without joy, you can't have hope. Yeah. Isn't that good? You know, I love it in Romans 13. It says, the kingdom of God is not in mere eating and drinking, which tells me part of it is in eating and drinking. That's why we always eat after church. <laughs> just saying. That's why there's so many fat preachers out there. No, just <laughs> just no, just messing around Shaka pow nobody says but the kingdom of god is in peace righteousness and joy in the holy ghost yeah. you know it's so good you know second fruit of the spirit is joy galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit you know love and joy is right behind it see we got to be happy and be happy about it Amen. <laughs> it's true we need to be happy people i'm so sick and tired of seeing miserable christians Here, see those people you know how are you doing brother well, Brother John, I'm just sick and tired of your shenanigans. <laughs> we are happy people. Let your face know it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just doing an outreach in Edmonton, Alberta, you know, in this past September. And the Lord tells me, he says, John, I want you to go to the watch store. And I thought, praise God, someone's going to buy me a watch. Right, so I'm thinking, I'm not thinking about glory. I'm thinking about, man, someone's going to buy them. You had a bling, bling that watch or something. Didn't, didn't happen. But uh, I'm sitting there, I'm I'm picking up my watch. Literally, I'm by faith. I'm sitting there, God, I want this one. Right, and then this of the sell the shit comes by to me, young guy, and he goes, why are you so happy? And I'm, I'm, I'm not overly smiley. I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting there looking at his watch case. And he goes, why are you so happy? And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, man? That's what I'm thinking, once again, just. I'm a little dense sometimes, just to be honest with you. You know, I don't quite catch it all the time. You know, so if God can use me, he can most assuredly use you, right? So he says, why are you so happy? I said, what do you mean? He says, I don't know what's up with you, but I want what you have. And then I realized, it's probably the Holy Ghost he's seeing. It's the the glory of God. And I go, it's just Jesus. And he goes, I believe in Jesus, but I'm a Muslim. You know, we believe in the prophet Jesus. And we're just beginning to talk to him a little bit. and, And all of a sudden, this Muslim kid gives his life to Jesus. Right there in the grocery store, in the, the, the watch store. You know, it's just right there. Simply by my presence, just, just be, having that glory, having that hope, just having the glory emit from me. Now, turn with me to Isaiah 60. Turn, turn there to Isaiah 60, young man. I love that. I'm sure going to leave my Bible up there. This is great. Isaiah 60 and verse 1. Let's just <laughs> see here what comes. Hey, it says, arise and shine. I love that. You know? It says, arise, shine, for your light has come I love that. I want, I want to focus right there on the has part. So many times, I don't know about how you guys are, but I know in a lot of prophetic circles I roll around with, you know, we hear people saying, there's coming a generation. Have you ever heard that prophetic word? There's coming an end time harvest. It's all about, there's something coming, you know, but I like Isaiah 60 where it says, your light has come. Oh, that's so good. But the, but the thing is, too, we have to realize, well, Jesus, he's the only person who can be here and coming at the same time. It's true. And remember John chapter 4? He's talking to the woman at the well, and she says, just, you know, you Jews say that you have to worship over here and that's in that. and that. And what does Jesus say? There's coming a time, and a time is now. <laughs> Which one is it? Is a time coming, or is it now? The answer is Yes. <laughs> Right, so she's the only person in the world who can be here and coming at the same time, right? She's just that awesome, right? So he says, "Arise and shine, for your light has come." Right? In verse two, it says, "And behold, deep darkness covers the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and His glory and His glory will be seen upon you." I love that, you know, it says, the King James says, the Lord, glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I love that. To be risen upon you in Hebrew, it literally means it comes from inside of you and it spills out over top of you. Oh, that's good. So Isaiah's prophesying of this Christ in you the hope of glory, really. And he's saying, deep darkness will cover the earth. Is deep darkness covered the earth today? I think so. You know, just murder all over the place. And even in North America right now, we're in the worst place a country could possibly be. I believe that. We call, we call evil good and good evil. You know, throughout the Bible, Jeremiah and Isaiah, they both say that's the worst place a nation can be. We call evil good and good evil. Right? We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our nation. We think everything's great and hunky-dory. It's not. Right? Even though we don't see outward persecution in the way you know, we see maybe in the Middle East or in these different, uh, different nations, but we're in a horrible place, spiritually, in North America. But i got great news for you. Isaiah prophesies about that very thing. He says, deep darkness will cover the earth. So really, we're right on track. <laughs> <laughs> hey. He no, says, deep darkness will cover the earth, but he says, the Gentiles will come. On the next verse, it says, the Gentiles will come to the shining of, you know, oh, hey, look at the brightness of your rising. There you go. I love that. So come the shining of your light, the brightening of your rising. So we got the glory of God living on inside of us, and now we just gotta let it spill out over top of us. That's so good. I was telling people, hey, go take a leak on someone. You know, just just let the glory of God leak out of you. Get your mind out of the gutters. Jeez, Pastor Daniel. (laughs) There's a lot of glory of God to spill out over top of you. There's a to of shaka power. I love this kid. You know, just, just a lot of spill over top of you and out of you and onto someone else. And I'm telling you, the way we do that, how many of you say, I want to learn how to let the glory of God spill out of me? Yeah. I mean, you say that? You say, all right, I'll just talk to your pastors then. By the way, I love your pastors. They're absolutely fantastic people. You know, Pastor Nelson and David and Daniel. They're whole, just, just wonderful people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. And, um, <laughs> I wonder about myself sometimes. Like, why do people give me microphones? And I'm like, I don't get it. This is great, you know. Oh, Holy Ghost, <laughs> turn our water into wine, Jesus. Not yet. You know, I said before I got saved, I used to be a really heavy drinker, and then I got saved and I drank even more. But I just switched brands, you know. <laughs> Was, your faces are probably, it's like your faces went from, oh, <laughs> that was great. Um, where was I going with all this? Yeah, so you know, the, so how do we see the glory of God shine over top of us? You know, first of all, you have to realize that we are the Ark, the New Testament Ark of the Covenant. Amen. Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter three and verse sixteen. First Corinthians three sixteen. Or just wait for it to come up here on the screen. You know, this is just I'm just going to preach this way. This is great. It says, do you not know? I love that right there. It sounds like Paul is saying, listen here, how could you not know this? It's such simple truth. How do you not understand? It says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? That word temple there literally means holy of holies. Oh, that's awesome. So the priests of the Old Testament had the process of going from outside of the courts of God and worked their way into the holy of holies. And now we have the exact reverse. We have the glory of God inside of us, and we have to let it spill out over top of us. Everywhere we go, it's allowed to spill out over top of us. All right, so you have to understand that we are the conduits for the glory of God here on the earth. Glory is not going to show up without you active in it. Amen. Amen. Oh, isn't that good? Amen. I love that. So God just says, God says, you know, listen, I'm sick and tired of living in a little box. <laughs> See, when we started reverting back to the Old Testament, you're literally putting God in back in the box. God's too big to be living in a box, right? He lives in you. It's so good. And you know, also, we have this glory living on the side of us here. Let it spill it over top of us. And the key to seeing that happen is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. See, if they were more prophetic, they'd have it up there already. <laughs> <laughs> It says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good uh, oh he switched it up on me you prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God so I love that that word transformed is such a, an amazing word the same word used on the mountain of transfiguration right remember that right remember Jesus on the mountain transfiguration with uh, Peter John and James and all of a sudden <laughs> there's Elijah and <laughs> There's mo- that's my encounter sound effect, by the way. <laughs> everything is much better with sound effects. To prove it to you, try watching Die Hard without sound effects. Horrible, horrible! It's the worst movie ever, right? Like, it just doesn't happen, All right? So sound effects make everything better. If you get anything out of today, take that. You know, you can quote me on Facebook. Shaka! Pal. <laughs> anyways and uh you know so you know the Moses and Elijah you know appear before Jesus and he says that he was transfigured he can start shining white like the snow and Peter pipes up with his brilliant statement hey let's build three tabernacles if God could use Peter (laughs) even I'm not that dense (laughs) if God could use Peter I love Peter you know amazing guy but if God could use Peter how much more can he use you right I just think about that. It's just so, it's so inspiring when I see Peter. You know, I remember when Jesus sends them off into a mission trip, you know, and him, John, and James, they come back. You know, and they say, God, they reject, Jesus, they rejected us. Can we call fire down upon them? <laughs> In other words, Jesus, give us permission to murder those suckers. <laughs> That's really what he's saying, right? But anyways. <laughs> yeah, just no murder, no good, no bueno, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you, so what Paul is literally saying is if you can begin to change the way you think you will literally begin to shine with the glory of God it's that simple Proverbs 23 and verse 6, 7 I believe it is it says as a man thinks in his heart so he shall be oh that's so good as a man thinks in his heart so he shall be so however you see yourself is what you're going to become remember the story of, uh, of, of Gideon remember Gideon remember Gideon book of Judges what uh, Judges 6 his story is you know, and an uh, angel shows up before Gideon. There's the angel. And, you know, and, and, the, and, <laughs> and the angel says to Gideon, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. What does Gideon say? Who, me? <laughs> That's a John Raz paraphrase of the book of Judges, right? And, <laughs> and then uh, Gideon goes, yeah, you. And he goes, no. You know, I can almost hear him sounding poetic about it, you know, and he goes to this little pity party. And, and he just goes, "I'm my tribe is the smallest of all the tribes. My family's the smallest of all the families, and I'm the smallest of my family. <laughs> so what he's saying is, I'm the most weakest, most pathetic person in the entire world, <laughs> right? But so the angel says, "You're a mighty man of valor." Right? I don't know if about you, but if I have an angel show up at my workplace, like right, eyes wide open, here's an angel, boom, there's an angel, and he says, "Hey, you're a mighty man of valor." First thing, I'd be like, pray put on Facebook, man. I put it on Twitter. Like, holy shot. Take a picture of him. Hey, take like a selfie." No. <laughs> no, just nothing with you. But uh, maybe not, who knows. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as he's sitting there, just so down pressed about himself, he's so beat up, he's so torn up inside that, you know, here's an angelic encounter, and he just negates it. Right? But it wasn't until he began to change the way he saw himself that he began to move with supernatural power. It's not until he began to change the way he saw himself that he was able to rise up with his army and, and release the whole country. Come on now. One man, Changing the way he thinks, beginning to, to, to bring freedom to a nation. Right? So we've got to change, not only do we have to change the way we see ourselves, we've got to change the way we see God as well. Now I love that. I believe it's a, a, a Luke chapter uh, 12. Let me turn there and make sure. Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, I believe it is. Hey, it is. Is it already there? Hey, already beat me to it. All right. So it says, I love this. He says, Don't fear, little flock. Just put a, that just rubs me the wrong way sometimes. You know, Jesus said, don't fear, little flock. You know, it's like, really, Jesus? Come on. (laughs) What happened to the mighty warriors? Right, you know? He says, don't fear, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, God wants to see you get healed more than you want to get healed. Oh, isn't that good? God wants to see you delivered, set free, and prosperous more than you do. And guess what? He wants to see your neighbor set free more than you do. He wants to see your kids serving him more than you do. He wants to see your mortgage paid off more than you do. Oh, isn't that good? That's awesome. I'll even prove it to you. You know, it says it's a father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20. Now, Paul says the kingdom of God is not in mere word, but in power. What in power, right? That word power there is actually, oh, there it is, is, is dunamis power. The definition of dunamis power, if you actually break it right down, is the power to perform miracles, the power to, to uh, inherit power to perform miracles. It's also power to perform moral acts, also the power to attain financial wealth. So if the kingdom is power, which is dunamis, so it's the Father's good pleasure to give you miraculous power is your father's good pleasure to give you the ability to live a moral lifestyle is your father's good pleasure to give you the ability to gain financial wealth oh isn't that good god wants your mortgage paid off more than you do oh come on now shout out by you deserve to raise more than anyone else if there's two christians well guess what you both get it <laughs> come on now <laughs> see god wants to uh prosper you he wants to heal you and he wants to set you free and set you on fire did you know that your spirit, we all know that we have a spirit, right? Your spirit is actually made up of flammable material. It's true. I truly believe that. Your spirit is made of flammable material. Because in Deuteronomy 4, verse 24, it says, The Lord is a consuming fire, and he's a jealous God. So if he's a consuming fire, who is, who, what is he consuming? He's consuming us. So that means we have to be flammable. Isn't that good? The Lord God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. That was really quick, wasn't it? I know I'm a fast talker. You just got to turn your hearing aids faster, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a real uh, spiritual mentor of mine, my name is Bobby Connor. He says, I talk fast because I used to buy radio time, and I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so i was like hey praise god you know and uh you know so we are <laughs> we are made of flammable material you know and we just need to allow ourselves just to allow ourselves just to just be ignited by god and i'm running out of time could the worship band back up i want to pray for some people this morning is that okay Amen. i got about 10 minutes to do it <laughs> take as much time as i want hey praise shaka Come on now. So, now. so I really believe this morning, God wants to enable you. He's already enabled you. He's equipped you to shine with his glory. Right? He's enabled he's equipped you to shine with the glory of God, you know, to see the miraculous power released, to see his presence released, that everywhere we go, we carry atmosphere. Amen. We carry atmosphere. Amen. You know, everywhere, everywhere you go, there is a certain atmosphere, whether it's good, bad, or neutral. It doesn't matter. But what happens is the difference is what we do with it. See, no matter where you go, there's one or two things that happens. Either one, you influence your atmosphere, or number two, you're influenced by your atmosphere. So I'll give you an example. When you're in worship, right? Like this morning we had some beautiful worship. When you're in worship, you want to be influenced by the atmosphere that's created because it's an atmosphere of heaven. But when you go into a dark region, you want to influence the atmosphere. You want to change it. And I always tell people this, that don't worry what the demonic realm is doing. Who cares what devils are doing? Who cares? Light will always trump darkness. Yeah. First John 4, force is greater as he is inside of you than he that is in the world. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and having a revelation of that, I see this, that demons, I do not have a demon problem. I don't. Demons have a John problem. Come on, demons should have a you problem. Everywhere you go, demons should be fearing and quaking and be afraid of you. Because according to Proverbs 28 and verse 1, it says, That the wicked flee when no one even pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's awesome. See, if we begin to understand the revelation of who we are in Christ, of what we carry, what's on the inside of us, demons will begin to run away from you. When you walk into the atmosphere, be- demons begin to shake and quake. Come on now. See demons want to run. Sickness. Is sickness a wicked thing? Yes, it is. Sickness wants to run away before you even pray for it. Pray for it to leave. Come on now. Debt is a wicked thing, isn't it? Even if it's brought upon yourself, even if you're just a, being rather foolish with your spending and you racked up all your credit cards, it's still a wicked thing. It wants to run away before you even address it. Come on. When you have a revelation of that, it makes praying and seeing breakthrough so much easier. It's not that we're begging God and pleading God, but no, we're just bringing an authority into the situation. And according to Job 22:28, 28, it says, decree a thing and it shall be established and light will shine on your path. Oh, that's so good. How many of you say you want light to shine on your path? Come on, I want light to shine on my path. I want light to shine on your path. So we see the decree a thing and it says it will be established, which means it will be made so. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, so good up here. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Such a good church. There's, hmm, huh. How do you say you need a miracle in your body right now? So you need a physical miracle in your body right now. Yeah, I believe God wants to heal you this morning. Last night we saw some people getting healed. It was so good. You know, Pastor Nelson's wife, Louise, she ended up getting healed. You know, yeah, there she is. She's sitting there. So you're saying that you had ankle problems, you know, and, and you, you, you tore some cartilage. You said she felt something moving in her ankle, even. And on the pain left. And how's the bottom of your heel doing now? It's still still a process of getting healed, but is it better than what it was last night? Yeah, so it's just a process of getting healed, but the ankle's better. Praise God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, you, are, you got healed last night as well, wasn't it? Your wrists? How's it feeling? Do you pardon me? They woke up sore this morning. Sometimes that happens. You know, it says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, "That put on the whole armor of God to withstand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles there literally means trickeries. Right, so the devil is just trying to trick us. But in Nahum, which is actually a book in the Bible, you know, it's one of those obscure books, but it's in there. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 9, the last part of the verse, it says, The affliction shall not rise up a second time. So what happens is, the one way the devil begins to trick us, he'll trick your body with lying symptoms. Right? And as soon as you say, Oh, I lost my healing, guess what? You lost it. But as soon as you begin to feel those symptoms and you say, No, you know what? This is a lie of the devil. The word says the affliction shall not rise up a second time. Guess what? All of a sudden, it begins to leave. We've seen people come back, you know, and they say, Hey, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm losing my healing. And I'll quote them that verse and I'll say, I'll get them to open the Bible. I say, I'm not going to pray for you. You're going to confess that verse until you believe it. And all of a sudden, it just starts breaking off their bodies all over again. So we say affliction shall not rise up a second time in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, all things are possible for God. I love the verse that you know, was quoted this morning, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. It says, To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, oh, I love that. Verse 20, sorry, not 21, verse 20, my bad. It says, To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, everyone say all all that we ask or think of that tells me if you can think about it god can do it that's so good i want to share one quick story with you guys because i want to challenge your ability to believe what god can do i just want to challenge your ability to see what, you know, what's what's within the realms of possibility for the everyday believer i was i was just in the uk and uh and i'm all jet lagged. you know and i'm a second day night there you know and the lord speaks to me after the meeting and he says john the local bartender needs a miracle. So I tell my friends, i like, hey, we're going to the pub. And they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, and so we go to this pub and I see this bartender. And I said, hey, you need a miracle on your right arm, don't you? And he goes, yeah, uh, actually I do. And long story short, he had tore the ligaments in his arm and our tendons in his arm and he couldn't even hold up a drink tray. You know, bartenders need to hold the drinks, right? <laughs> If that offended you it's okay so <laughs> he's not saved. sinners sin sinners sin right you can't judge them for sinning's what they do right? saints go and do saintly things <laughs> sinners go and do sinly things you can't judge them from doing what their nature says right <laughs> you know so we pray for him he getting healed Right? He, says, he says, he's holding up his drink tray, I have a video of it, of him holding this tray. He says, I can't believe this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I say, you're doing it right now. <laughs> and then he runs off to the back in the kitchen, he pulls out the manager. And the manager comes by and he says, I don't believe this, this is just a bunch of hogwash. Right? And he starts talking to me. And uh, he's t- beginning to tell me, uh, as soon as he comes up, he tells me, he's like, I don't believe in this stuff. And I say, well, whether you believe it or not, it happened. You know, your bartender just got healed. You know, and all of a sudden, he begins to tell me about this, this house he's trying to buy, but the paperwork's being held up you know, by, by the lawyers, and he's worried that the price is going to get jacked up because of it. And I begin to prophesy to him. And I say, uh, I love this, I say, you, I say, within 24 hours, you're going to get a phone call from those very same lawyers, and they're going to tell you the paperwork's being expedited, and the price will be lowered than your original offer. And this is what he tells me, he says, if, I, if that happens, then I will believe. So I said, well, you're going to believe within 24 hours. You know, and I go off, this is in Northern England, and I go to Scotland to pray for a couple days, and I come back to same. You know, I want to follow up with this guy to see what happens. And as I walk in, there's, a, there's a, a girl behind the bar, and the Lord tells me that she's the owner's daughter. So I walk up to her, and say, hey, you're the owner's daughter, aren't you? She goes, oh my gosh, it's starting already. <laughs> That's her honest to God reaction. You know, and I go, what do you mean? She goes, you're John, right? I go, yeah. That, we've, I've heard so many stories about you. I'm like, huh? like, I I prayed for two people, right? But I guess this whole pub had this whole rumor mill going around about this white guy from Canada who just went and healed the sick and told them their future. And so, so we pray for a bunch of them. A bunch of them end up getting healed, you know, we give them words of knowledge, we prophesy over them. And then she tells me, say, come back and do this again next week. She says, when can you come back and do this again? I said, not till next week because I have to go preach in different cities, right? So I come back and she says, can we advertise this? I said, absolutely. So when you walked into the bar, the pub, the first thing you saw was a sign that said, free miracles and free spiritual readings. I was, that's what I told him. He said, can we advertise this? I said, yeah, just do something like that, right? So you walked in. So I'm sitting around. I'm having dinner. And people are literally lining up at my table for me to prophesy and pray for them. I'm literally I got duck on my fork, you know, and... And you know, I'm sitting there chewing, and I'm starving, the best meal I've had in years. And you know, I'm sitting there spitting on people, you know. Just, I'm just, I'll be healed in Jesus' name, right? And people are just laid out on the pub. You know, and then the owner actually comes by, and he, says, well, he walks in, and he's like, what the heck's going on in my bar? So <laughs> you know, so his daughter says, you have to go, Dad, you have to go talk to that guy. You have to go talk to that guy. Long story short, you know, we prophesy over him, and a bunch of stuff. And, and then he tells me, he says, John, next time you come back to my country, I want you to do a conference in my pub. And he says, and all your drinks, all your friends will get free drinks. I said, listen, my, my guests already do get free drinks. You know, <laughs> you know? but once we, I just say, share the story for this. Like, when we begin to put ourselves out there, put yourself in the midst of unusual circumstances, unusual situations, the unusual will take place. That story is just a regular occurrence for me. And I don't say that to brag upon myself, I say that to brag about Jesus. Because like, God's the one doing it. I can't, you know, I have a friend of mine, Gary Beaton. He says, You can't make that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> it's so God, you can't make it up. <laughs> you know, so, just I want to encourage you guys, challenge you, put yourself into unusual situations. You know, just be governed by that still small voice you have within yourself. Dare to believe God at His word and begin to move outside of what's normal. Begin to move outside of your comfort zones. Right? And, you know, and I guarantee you, something miraculous is going to take place.